I almost feel like I need to be Tony Robbins or something. Everybody get on your feet. Let's juice. What? Hey, welcome to Timber Creek, everybody. And as my wife said on the video earlier, so thankful to have our guests. Let's give our guests a great welcome this morning. Glad you've joined us. Hey, we, uh, we're going to jump in in just a moment, but let me, let me start by saying uh, uh, we are in a great season at Timber Creek. Uh, just in the first service, met several families that are visiting from Nacogdoches. Uh, we are launching a second location of Timber Creek in Nacogdoches. Uh, our, our timeline has shifted a little bit because our first location fell through, uh, but God is leading our leadership team and our pastoral staff, and we'll have some, some big news in the next couple of weeks on what that looks like. So make sure if you do business in Knack or you, uh, and, and, and you like the church. If you don't like the church, don't tell anybody that you don't like it. But if you like the church and, and you're, you're experiencing some help and finding your, your God-given potential and understanding your part in his story for your life, uh, then we invite you to tell some people, you know, these little juice invite cards are right there in your seats. Uh, we, we encourage you just to leave that with a, with a great tip. If, you, if you're not going to leave a good tip, you tell them, you know, you're from, you know, First United Methodist. But if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to leave a good tip, then and you invite your, your, you know, put that juice card and invite people to church. But we're in this series called Juice. I was going to go a completely different way, but to be honest with you, over the last few months, uh, I planned this early on in the year to do a series on the book of Revelation starting today. Uh, but, you know, as I've, as I've met with a lot of people, as I've kind of sensed even in prayer time, uh, we needed to take a little bit of shift and, and, and really uh, focus in, hone in on the key ingredient to healthy relationships. Notice it says key ingredient and not ingredients because we're really going to boil it down to one key piece, and we're going to unpack that uh, today. But we're starting this series, Juice, and uh, you know, I don't know about you, but my parents growing up, there was a couple of times they had some huge health kicks. Like they, they really got into the zone when it came to getting the whole family healthy, and they were pastors, and there was one person in their church that said, you got to do it this way, and so we were doing it that way. We got a big juicer, you know, a Jack LaLanne juicer, and, and uh, I mean, they were consistent on that for like two weeks. And, uh, but I'll tell you, I turned orange in a matter of 14 days with all the stinking carrot juice uh, that I drank. It's going to be good for you. Yeah, it, it, I was orange uh, by the time we were done with uh, uh, the juice. But I uh, haven't really stuck with that. But there's a lot of great nutrients. There's a lot of great stuff in, in uh, fruit and the juice in particular. We're going to break that down because we're going to be talking about uh, the juice that comes from the fruit of the Spirit and how that really is the key ingredient to all of the relationships from marriage relationships to sibling rivalries to conflict management and resolution to mutual, just, just occasional uh, acquaintances to uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, you name it. Uh, the fruit of the spirit is the key ingredient. We're gonna unpack that as we go uh, through the summer. So I wanna start though by talking about uh, the fruit of the spirit versus another fruit in our life. And people tend to be eating one or the the other. Sometimes we like to pick some fruit off of one tree and fruit off of another tree, and, and God is going to give us direction through his word on how to really choose the right fruit from the right tree in your life. But to start here, I want to start, talk with the book of Galatians. The apostle Paul has written uh, as an apostle, he's kind of a church planter, and he's, he's written the book of Galatians uh, to this church. He's written to Christians, okay? He's not, he's not uh, 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 writing this book to those outside of the faith. He's very much focused on those that claim Christ, 
but yet they've been adding some things to their relationship with Christ. They've been putting some, some different parameters and guardrails on really knowing Jesus, and they've been adding their own stuff. Like, don't mess with, with, with uh, the recipe. Paul says you're messing with the recipe. And so he goes in and begins to talk, chapter 1 through chapter 6, and in 5, chapter 5, we get the fruit of the Spirit, and I want to back up off the list of the fruit and kind of give uh, set it up to get into that scripture. So here's what Paul says to the church at Galatia. Walk by the Spirit. You walk by all kinds of different things. Walk by that set of rules, that set of rules. I'm saying to you, walk by the Spirit. Uh, as a kid, uh, 12 years old, on a little family vacation from Kansas to California, my family took a, a 87 Ford Aerostar minivan with a big old blue uh, suitcase on the top and my 80-year-old grandmother, and, and we drove thousands of miles over to California. It took us uh, 10 days there. We were there for three days, and we came back. And while we were on the trip, yeah, yay. And while we were on the trip, though, we went to all these different, my dad is like a junkie when it comes to, I guess if you're going to be a junkie, it's okay to be this. But he's a junkie on history, and he just loves, like he had the big old ca you know, camcorder, and, and he wasn't so much filming us. He was more filming like the plaque at the Petrified Forest. And, and, and he just got a bunch of great views of you know, the Grand Canyon and everything. In fact, there's this one thing, he hates it, but when we, we watched this video back a few years ago, you could see this plaque. My dad's trying to get this plaque of everything that happened right, right here at the Grand Canyon. And you can see my brother's feet on top of the plaque. He's like, Dad, look at me. Look at me. Daddy's like, stop it, son. I'm trying to get this plaque. And, you know, he, he looks back and he says, I was focused on the wrong thing, you know? But I remember one time uh, on that trip, we were in the petrified forest and we were going through these paths and way up the, the, the way, there was this little sign. And my dad says to my brother, you can hear it on the, on, the, on the video. He says, Jared, run up there and tell us what it says. Maybe we need to go up there and check it out. And Jared just run, he's eight years old. He runs up there and you can see my brother way out in the distance. He says, what does it say, son? And my brother yells back, it says, stay on the trail. <laughs> That's it. There was no new information. Just stay on the trail. The apostle Paul is basically saying to the Galatians, stay on the trail. And it's not the trail you're going to blaze. Stay on the trail. Walk by the spirit. And you know, you stay on that trail. You'll not gratify, indulge, appease all the desires of the flesh because your flesh got some desires. If you could just, just kind of pull the flesh out for just a moment and have a conversation, it would sound like my, nine, my, my eight, almost nine-year-old son. Can I, can I, can I, can I? When are we going to, when are we going to, when are we going to, can we go, can we go, can we go? And that's your flesh talking, you know? You know why don't you what, consider this, consider that? And, and if we're not walking by the Spirit on the right trail, we can gratify the desires of the heart. Of the heart. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in they're like in this intense conflict with each other all the time. Later on, Paul says, sometimes I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I ought to do. That's the conflict that many of us in the church, and if you're here and you're, in, you're investigating the claims of Christ, you, know, you, don't, you don't really know if you're ready to surrender to Christ as your Savior. That's, that's just a battle that even when you do surrender, there's always going to be tension between the spirit that is willing but the flesh that has to surrender to that spirit because the flesh is just kind of weak. Okay? So the spirit's what's contrary. They, they're in conflict with each other. So here's the acts of the flesh. The, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And he begins to list several things. He says sexual immorality. 
impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. And, you know, I, I think that Christians tend to have, especially, uh, you know, active Christians on Facebook tend to have a little selective reading and some spiritual ADD sometimes because it's these top ones that get a whole lot of newsfeed time on Facebook from Christians, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, and then they kind of go spiritual ADD and they forget the rest of the list. But if you keep reading the list, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, and then they pick back up, orgies and the like. So they, they, they just skip all that and they just, you know, pound the fist on, on the top and the little bottom. And yet you have people that are, I mean, preaching against sexual immorality, but are having a spirit of hatred when they do it. The acts of the flesh are obvious. I would actually say that they were obvious because Paul was teaching them. But in today, in 2017, sometimes we have so had like this, this mixture of truth with lie that I, I think that's, that a lot of people are living with the acts of the flesh that aren't so obvious. Like they're not, they're not so obvious. They've just kind of swallowed a line that they heard from someone that, hey, your God is your God, my God is my God. If, if, if it's truth to you, it's truth to me. And can't, isn't just the key just like to love each other? Isn't that what God said somewhere there in the book of, you know, hesitations? He said, love each other, whatever. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, third Corinthians. Yeah, that's when everybody's where he said it. No. And so we can forget all these other things that, that may not be uh, hot and sexy to talk about when it comes to discord or, or fits of rage or selfish ambition, but they're just as much the acts of the flesh or the fruit of the flesh than other elements. But he goes on to say, but the fruit of the spirit. Now notice when I said juice, the key ingredient to healthy relationships, don't think that I'm trying to simplify the ins and outs, the nuances of healthy relationships, because there's a whole lot of things we need to be doing. But when I say key ingredient, I'm talking about the fruit of the spirit. Notice it doesn't say fruits of the spirit. When you go to Brookshire's or HEB or Walmart and you pick out your, 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 uh, your, your groceries for the week and maybe you, you like to get some fruit, you don't get to choose from the list of the fruits of the spirit. It's just the fruit and it ought to all be in your grocery bag. It ought to all be part of your everyday life. Not you just get to pick, pick or choose one of them. It's one fruit and it happens to be all of them. So when I go in and I pick up, you know, the, the, the certain kind of apples that the kids like and the grapefruit and the cantaloupe and the watermelon, the male and female watermelon, I'm learning all kinds of new stuff about fruit lately and, 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 and seedless or non, you know, with seeds, then, then you, you get to choose, but you don't get to choose from this list. I'm good at that part, but that other stuff, man, you better just get off the tracks when the train's coming through. Woo, woo. You got to have the whole thing. Fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is another word for patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Whoa, that's a tough list. <laughs> gentleness and self-control. Uh, by the way, it's funny, um, Someone met me at, at the fair, you know, last September when we were having the big fair over at the, at the expo center. And they said, hey, I wanted my wife to, to meet you, you know, and, and we're talking. And he goes, I was telling her about you and you're preaching how, and here's what he said. I've, I thought maybe he, went, he might say, man, it really changed my life. It was an encouragement to me, man, when you were talking about that thing from the Bible. He said, man, do that, do that rewind voice you do. <laughs> 
here to serve everybody, here to, here to serve. But all of these fruit against such things, there is no law. There is no relationship that's saying, you know, I wish you would not just be so faithful. I wish you, man, that kindness is just taking me off. You know, oh, man, you know, you don't have any self-control. Good. <laughs> now, nobody's saying that. Against those, such things, there is no law. But there's plenty of law against the, the conflict in us that is the fruit of the flesh. But you follow in God's footsteps and what he's designed. But the, but the truth be told here, it's more than stay away from the list of the, of the fruit of the flesh and, and do this and not that. It's way more than a list of rules. Many people are genuinely looking for the right fruit from the right tree. But here's where things get a little complicated. In today's culture, people that do not know Jesus will still stand in front of a camera and give an infomercial about peace or about kindness. I mean, NBC, do, 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 the more you know. And some actor will get up and say, bullying's bad. Be, be right, be kind. And yeah, they're absolutely right. But there's all kinds of fruit that you can eat from a culture that says, that's good, that's okay, as long as, long as it's love, as long as it's love or as long as you're not hurting anybody and there's all kinds of fruit that can we think are good, is good fruit from the right tree, but it's actually fruit that tastes okay at the time, but in the end, it, it will lead to sourness. The Bible says it like this, there's a way that, that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. There's fruit that may seem okay, but the more you eat it, you just have to understand it's the wrong tree. Now this, there's a way that seems right and, and they're starting with the wrong tree. People, and maybe even here, you know, well-meaning, you, you've come to church. You, you, you want to be a Christian, a Christ follower. But there's fruit in your life that you need to investigate. You need to, to take a taste test on and really begin to measure up according to the word of God. Not, not according to just, you know, a blog from brett77 at yahoo.com, but the word of God on, is this fruit from the right tree? Because all of us are eating. All of us are eating. It's just, is it the right stuff from the right place? Galatians chapter one, when we back up to where he got to Galatians five, here's how he starts that whole letter to the church of Galatia. Look, look what he says. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel, a different gospel. There's only one gospel, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, Pastor Jeremy, there's only one. No, there's, there's, there's different gospels. There's different good news and people in the church, this isn't, this isn't for outside the church walls, this is for the church. The, the church is turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Here's what he was talking about. After he had set up the church at Galatia, there were other 
Christians that were, follow, that were Christ followers that had come in, but they were also Jews. So they were Jewish Christians, and they were coming in, and they were teaching, but they were adding to the sufficiency of Christ in the cross. They were adding to the sacrifice of Christ. Not only are you saved you know, by, by grace through faith, uh, not of works, lest any man should boast, but they were saying it is by, by, by grace through faith, but also you got to do a couple things. And one thing that they were really meeting about was circumcision. That seems like not a big deal for us to talk about today. It didn't even make sense. Like Jewish culture on the eighth day, on the eighth day, every male would be circumcised. It was part of the law. It was part of what they had to do in order to be right with God. And so these Jew, Jewish Christians that accepted Christ, they were wanting to add some things in because all these other Gentiles that hadn't gone through that process, like if we had to do it, you, you got to do it. You know, like, Thankfully, it was on the eighth day. If it was any longer, you know, we'd have major issues. There'd be a lot of men running from God. <laughs> but in Acts 15, <laughs> oh boy. So, so in Acts 15, in fact, Acts 15 at the council they're having, they're saying you've got to add, you need to add circumcision basically into the process. If you're going to join the church, you've got to be married. Could you imagine us adding that process to starting point? <laughs> you know, that would be an all-female starting point. Guys would be in the parking lot saying, you go on in, honey. You're, uh, I'm, I'm going to join the, join the church through you, okay? And so you can't add stuff to it, and they were trying. And we do the same. You got to dress a certain way if you're going to go to church. You can't, you know, can't look like this, can't do that. Boy, man, you can't, you know, and it's all, you got to do this, you got to make this, and you got to, you know, always, the only time you're having fun is if you're laughing at how dumb the devil is. I mean, you know, you just got to, you know. Only listen to Stephen Curtis Chapman on your CDs. And, and like it's, it's like there's, there's craziness in there that we want to add to salvation. Are there some right things we should be doing? Yeah. But when we make it Jesus and, we've got issues like the church of Galatia. And evidently, some people were throwing them into confusion, trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, this is a foundational message, okay? This is a message that really is foundational to every relationship. I'm not even talk about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to back up. I'm going to back up off of the fruit, and we're really going to talk about the tree today. Because it's not about you being more loving, more joyful, more patient, more peaceful. It's about you finding your nourishment from the right fruit from the right tree. Because anybody can give a little love. Uh, all the world needs now is love, sweet love. <laughs> but if that's what you relegate the fruit to, you've missed the whole point of the tree that we're supposed to be living under. Okay? So let's, let's go back to the beginning of the Bible. It's at the end in the book of Revelation. It's at the beginning of the book of Genesis. In Genesis 2, we read about this whole issue of, of, of fruit, and we're going to set it up. And, and then what we're going to do is through this message, we're going to dive into those other nine fruit over the next several weeks during summer. But if you can't get this one right, you, you, I feel like it's going to be hard to understand the rest of it. Okay. So let's start. Now the Lord God, Genesis chapter two, had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put man that he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees, watch, grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. All kinds of trees, all right? Plenty to choose from. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, here's where I think we've, we've missed it just a little bit. The tree of life 
And then when, when Adam and Eve eat of the fruit, we think that they're, they are deliberately saying, I want to walk away from God. Like their choice was to say, by God, see you, stay out of my life. And in fact, that's not the case. That, that, that wasn't their choice. And you'll see that in just a moment. But what we have done is we've almost made it tree of life and the tree of sin. But this is not the tree of life and the tree of sin. This is the tree of life and it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's a completely different thing than just saying, forget you, God. I'm going to turn my back on you and I'm going to be my own God. As we keep reading, we'll see how this breaks down. And the Lord God commanded the man, hey, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat, very clear instruction, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. There's no good thing from that tree. You eat it and you'll find death. Now, the serpent, the enemy, the devil, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. That old question about God is really the new question just remixed. Now people are not necessarily in a garden talking about a tree, but they're talking about the Bible, the validity of the Bible, uh, taking the Bible for what it's worth when it comes to God and his design for life and humanity, for choices, for sexuality. You must not eat from, did God really say? And that's the number one question that people are still the enemies using to challenge people. Are you sure about that? Eh, that's your interpretation. Come on, that's antiquated. Oh, man, that's, that, that's an old book by how many authors, by whatever. Psh, give me a break. It's the same old message. The enemy saying, come on now. Did he really say? Well, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. They understood the issue. Oh, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. And look, look, look. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, that, in just this story, we've read that many, many, many times, and it seems so, ugh. But let's back off of this for just a second. Let me ask, have you ever heard this? Have you ever heard me say this? How many of you would be, you want to become more like Christ? Huh? Of, co of course. Yeah, it's not a trick question. It's like, I don't know. Yes, I want you to become more Christ-like. That the patterns of your life ought to model Christ-like convictions, character, and conduct. I want, to, I want you to be more godly, more Christ-like in your attitudes and your convictions and the way you think and the way you act and the way you feel. Be more like Christ. And so the devil offers an opportunity for a different gospel, an alternative gospel, a perverted gospel, that you can be like God, you can be like God, but there's a different way. See, the first way to become more like God and know God deeply was to simply spend time with him in the garden, to know him and for him to know them and to surrender to his ways and his design and relationship with him. But the devil is saying, you know, there's another alternative here. You can just do these things, make your own choices. And what the choice is, is basically moving them from 
innocence and reliance upon God as their Savior and Lord and director and conductor of their life. Two, the way I can be more guidely is I can be my own conductor, my own knowledge giver. I can, I can decide for myself what's good and what's evil. And I can come underneath and their eyes, what the enemy was giving them was a different perspective on life. And really it all boils down to that in your life. There's a perspective that God has through his word that he's given to us through the Bible and through his son, Jesus. And through that conviction of the Holy Spirit that, that aligns with his word. And then there is what the enemy would want, and that is you do your own thing. And if you do your own thing, you make your own decisions, whatever makes you feel good, whatever you say is good and evil, that's okay. Those are the choices that we have. I have a better approach, the enemy says. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree, look, was good for food and pleasing to the eye, he already said he had made a ton of trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. They didn't have to just eat this one. And also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. We gotta stop giving Eve such a bad time, you know, we're like, well, Eve, if she wouldn't eat that fruit. Well, Adam was just like standing there. Like, I don't know what you wanna do. <laughs> he said it was good for wisdom. <laughs> Come on, Adam. He was with her. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. And that's really where eating the wrong fruit from the wrong tree takes all of us. It just exposes us. We lose innocence. We, and what happened to Adam and Eve in that moment is that they, their focus up to this point was completely on God. And now their focus all of a sudden becomes flesh, themselves, each other. And so they sew fig leaves together and they made coverings from themselves. The wrong choice will always end up in a loss of in innocence and regret and guilt when we eat from the wrong tree. So the key question I wanna ask you today, take your notes and you would like to write this down, be helpful, I think. What will be my approach to godliness? The enemy offers an approach to godliness. As long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as you eat, I've got stuff, it's good. Don't worry, you can be just like, you can, you can find God too through this way. I, I, I'm good, I'm a Christian. You know what, God's, God loves me. We've had a good conversation, me and God. And I, and I know I'm not exactly doing it the way you wanna do it, mom and dad. I know I'm not exactly doing it the way you wanna do it, Pastor Jeremy, but, but like, it, it's just, this is just you know, the way that seems right for me. Or, I surrender my decisions to God, who I am, who I'm becoming, how I act, what gets me hot, what gets me passionate, what, what gives me step into the right or step into the left. What will my approach to godliness look like? It's a foundational message. So there are two approaches. Basically, we see the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And these two approaches have two, two gospels, basically, and you can hear them inside the church. This is not a message for just those looking on the outside in. This is a message for us as Christ followers. If you've bowed a knee to Christ, but yet you, you can mix the gospel up and you, it, it becomes twisted. So one gospel says, it's all about what I do. 
The knowledge of good and evil, it's all about what I can do. And we want to add to the, to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross by making sure that we keep our nose clean and we stay in a straight line and we make sure that we check all the, 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 the boxes of religion. We make sure that we, we run through this, this whole deal. And, and as long as I've done all those things, someday when I step in front of the throne of heaven, God won't be mad at me, maybe. My, you know, it's all about what I do. And they may not even take it to that extreme. It may be Christians that love Jesus, but they've added to it. Well, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. And it's way outside the bounds of the word of God. It's based on tradition or what they think. A lot, a lot of people messed up into that. The other gospel is it's all about what Jesus has done. And so there's nothing I could ever do to earn salvation. It was already freely given and I have, to, I have to live in what Jesus has done. See, Adam and Eve had a choice. They could take God at his word, at his word or they could do something and get to be like God. They could rely on God saying, you can eat anywhere you want, but, but I, I'm, I'm God, I know better. And I know, I know how you are, Adam and Eve. I know you run around laughing all naked and whatnot. <laughs> but that tree over there, don't be running around all laughing and, and giggling and having a picnic and think you can just pick from that tree. Stay away from it. You'll die. And there are things in our lives that Jesus says stay away from. And instead of saying, okay, okay, you know better. There's just this voice always calling, did God really say, come on, you'll like it. Just, just look, they, 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 they're doing all this and they say they love God. You can be like, you can be, you can have godliness over here. Now look at the extreme for the person that says it's all about what Jesus has done. You can go to the extreme on that, you know, and say, that's all about ways we're, we're covered, man. It's all about grace. Do whatever you want to do. Live it up. It's all, it's, all, it's all covered. Well, that would be a perverted gospel because in his word, he is clear on following him, obeying his commands. But there would be just as much perversion in, in, in this person saying, well, no, you're making it too soft. So some people, they don't want any grace that God will give. And some people want all that grace of God will give. But then we need the wisdom of God to balance the reality of resting in and receiving God's love. And then out of that, following him, walking by the spirit. You with me so far? All right. So look, look what John five says. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them, you possess eternal life. That's a do. Got to check my mark. Got to get through the Bible in a year. Got to read that or Jesus is going to be mad at me that I didn't read my, the book of Proverbs today. And so oh, I got to get it done. Got to get it done. Gotta, and if someone doesn't do it like you do, oh, bless God, pray for them. They miss their devotions. Can I just say, if you think that all the what you do by reading the Bible is going to save you. In fact, just a while back, a while back, Jane and I were somewhere and, and I heard someone say, um, this Bible is, is the way to salvation. It's the fountain of life. And, I, and I, I just leaned over to her and I said, no, that's not true. It's a guide to the fountain. But <laughs> the devil can quote more scripture than you can probably. It's not the guide to salvation. 
It's the breathed word of God. It's holy. It's valuable. It's, it, it's powerful in our lives and it ought to be the moral compass for every decision we make. But just reading the Bible and doing that and not resting and rece- receiving what Jesus has done as the absolute platform for your salvation, you're going to miss it. He goes on to say, these are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. He's talking about the Pharisees that were all about the Bible. They knew the Bible. They studied the scriptures. But then Jesus is healing people. And he's like, you can't do that. It's the Sabbath. He's like giving people wholeness in their life and bringing hope to people. Like they, they couldn't, it didn't make sense to their rules and regulations. Even good intentions in their heart, they missed that it was what Jesus had done, not about what they could ever do. Number two, it's all about trying to get God's approval. Okay, that's a... That's a gospel that people have, and that's a perverted gospel. You know, Gallup Poll did a, uh, did a research around the United States on how people view God, their perspective of God. Like, how would you describe God? And you know what the, the dominant statement was from the South, from good old Texas? Bless God. The, the dominant statement from the South was... Um, I don't want God to be mad at me. That's how they viewed God. God is mad at you. You better shape up. You better toe the line. God's going to slap you across the face with a belt. You just wait till God gets home. Right? It's all about God's approval. You know, this uh, incredible spiritual movie called The Wizard of Oz. Um, the Wizard of Oz... Dorothy shows up and she meets all these friends along the way. Man, that's a little bit of a freaky movie if you watch it again. We represent the lollipop. <laughs> they put the cult in cult classic. I don't know, but anyway. So Dorothy and the tin man who just wanted a heart and the scarecrow who just wanted a brain and the lion who just had to have courage. <laughs> just wanted bravery. And good old Dorothy, who just wanted to make it home. They find their way down the yellow brick road. They followed the yellow brick road. They followed the yellow brick road. They followed, 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 followed the yellow brick road. And they get to the Emerald City and they finally get down this hallway like they're going to meet with the wizard who's got the answers to all their questions. And they're walking and they're afraid like, oh, I don't want to, I just don't want to do this, the cowardly lion says. It's like some of you, your, your, your spouse dragged you to church today, you know, and you're like, I don't want to go in there. <laughs> it may be because you got a wrong perspective of God. And here the doors open and there's this grand empty throne. And when he, they come in, they say, who dares enter? It's pyrotechnics everywhere. I'm the wizard. You stand before me, tin man. And the tin man, he's like, ah, he gets him. Talk to him, get back in line. And the scarecrow and the, the lion is so afraid. And, and Dorothy comes up, I just want to get home. I just want to make it home. And some of us, we approach God, we think like he's like that wizard. Tell me what you've done wrong today and I might just get you a pass. Maybe not. Ha, ha, ha. And you're like Dorothy and you're like, you know, clipping your red slipper. You just say, I just want to make it home. I just want to make it to heaven. Or I just, I just want to, you know, I just, I don't know what to do. Here's what he says. Here's what the wizard says. Go bring me the broomstick. It's all about what you do. 
I will be appeased. I'll, I'll be okay if you just bring me what I want. Then I'll approve. Then I'll, and you know what happens? The curtain's pulled back and it's a sham. And people have built their lives on the wrong gospel. And you pull back the curtain and it's, it's Jesus plus this, 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 and this. And, and I've got good news, but I've got hard news. It's not Jesus plus this, 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 this. It's not. It's just Jesus. And you, it's all about trying to get God's approval, but really it's all about receiving God's love. So I got the good news, but I got the hard news. Receiving God's love can be so challenging to some of us because you don't feel like you're worthy and you feel ashamed and you feel guilty and you've got, and, and some, you come into a worship service and it's hard to even like sing the song because you remember what you did on Friday and that's all about what you would do. Now on the extreme, on the extreme, we could say, well, it doesn't matter what you do. You don't need God's approval. You just need to receive God's love and live it up. That would be the extreme. That would be perverting the gospel because there's more scripture than just Galatians 5 and, 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 and what we're talking about because we want to obey his commands. But on the other side, so, so, so we want to, we want to honor God, but that's not how we get him to love us. He loves you whether you honored him or not, whether you did right on Thursday or not, whether you slipped up or not, he loves you. And what he shows us is, if you will trust me and eat of the fruit from the right tree, it may seem so simple to just embrace his love, but it's actually the foundation from which everything else in your life will flow. There will not be healthy relationships to the degree in which you are capable of if you don't start with the right fruit from the right tree. God demonstrates his own love for us while we're still sinners. Before we got our spiritual ducks in a row, before we came to church, he died for us, he loves us. Embrace, receive his love. Number three. In the gospel that's perverted, in the gospel that's a different gospel, it's all about the external duty, responsibility. There's a whole lot of people marching to the orders externally. But really, the right gospel is all about internal desire. It's not about the doing. It's, it comes back to the heart. You know, there's always this poetic realities in Scripture. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks in Proverbs, uh, in Proverbs, it says, guard your heart from out of it flows everything in life. It starts with the internal desire. Now, let's look at a couple of scriptures here before we end. <laughs> Watch this scripture. This is love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. <laughs> what? Some of you say, some of you might say, oh, yes, they are. It is hard. It is tough. Yes, it is. If you're not coming from the right approach. His commands are tough. And are burdensome. If you're coming from receiving the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Versus the way God intended it. 
and for us to receive life under his care and under his hand. So it's always going to be hard for you. It's always going to be burdensome. His commands, uh, don't do this, don't do that, don't do those. It's all just a list of don'ts. No, 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 it's actually, it's actually, those aren't even burdensome. It's easy to do those things. When we come from love first versus well, I got to get all this so then maybe I can have love. So living off the fruit from the right tree. Before we can work on bettering our relationships, we got to start with the right fruit. So number one, fall in love with Jesus. And I don't mean sing songs about Jesus. I don't mean go to church and listen to Jesus, talks about Jesus. Listen, friends, if you are trying to just figure it out when it comes to Christianity and you're trying to like, this is going to give me an edge on my life. You're really not going to find, that's the fruit from the wrong tree. It all starts with deep, genuine relationship with Jesus. And some of you, you've had a genuine relationship with Jesus, but you've drifted. And we all like sheep have gone astray. Where you started strong, resting in God's goodness, trusting him for everything, yielding to his pattern in your life. And then temptation comes and this fruit and you got these feelings and you got these emotions. And you say, oh, that's so attractive. Or I've, I've been wondering about that. And it seems pleasing to the eye and it's going to give me wisdom maybe. And we choose, I'm just going to say, back up from the fruit, back up from all the fruit, just back up. Fall in love with Jesus. If you've grown tired, if you've grown stale, if you've, if you've just, just kind of been going through the motions, I want to promise you, that's not the gospel. The gospel starts and ends with genuine, real, deep love for Jesus. You know two things that help me fall in love with Jesus every day? You know what helps me? Who he is. So reading, yes, reading the Bible. But if I read the Bible just to think that maybe Jesus will love me, that's not going to work. But I love Jesus, and because I love Jesus, I want to know more about him. And so then it's from that perspective that I receive the fruit of the word of God. Because I love Jesus, and I want to know more about what he has to say about my life. What he's done for me. Can I, can I, can I tell you? I, I, nobody else is standing in line to pay for your sin. There's not a single person standing in line to try and pay for your sin. Way before you were even a thought in your mama and daddy's eyes, in their brains, Jesus paid for it. He paid for your sin. And, and the sacrifice that he made, it had to be that. It was just, hey, you know, be a good person and follow me. What's the difference between him and any other philosopher? But he was the son of the living God who sacrificed deeply to prepare the grid work and the foundation for you to truly trust in his love. No greater love does any man have than he would lay his life down for his friends. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. Look at that. But here's where we get the wrong gospel. We, we flip this. You see the comma right there? A lot of people start with the back end of the scripture. You will obey what I command if you love me. 
And so it's all about doing what he commands and we never get down to the root of it. It's, it's the love. It's the falling in love with Jesus. We, 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 can, we can read this from a different approach. Do you know that I, I, love, I love my wife? I love her. But I don't get up in the morning saying, okay, Jeremy, you love your wife. You better keep it straight, buddy. You know, I'm not saying to myself in the mirror, do not commit adultery today. Dude, you better be a good boy. I'm going to slap, slap you if you mess up. No, it's, I love my wife. And out of relationship and knowing each other more deeply and loving each other, it's from that that I make a decision to look and turn, to avoid an appearance of evil, to choose the right fruit from the right tree. Can I say something to you? I was not born monogamous. None of you were. It's not like you were just born with this innate desire to be faithful to one person for life. But through covenant relationship, I take captive any thoughts that would challenge that covenant. Not just in marriage, but any sexuality at all. This feels good and pleasing at the time. It's fruit, it tastes good. It, it, it appeals to my senses. And I'm just saying, it may make sense to you, but this is the tree we have to live under. The tree of life, not the tree of just what feels like it's the right thing for me at this time in my life. Number two, don't allow condemnation. The enemy works overtime to condemn you. He works overtime. And so even some things I've just said, I've just said, and you're feeling condemned. There's a difference between conviction and feeling like, oh, I don't want to be like this. And then feeling like there's no way I can ever overcome this. God demonstrates his own love for us. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life, that's where the right fruit comes from, has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's where the wrong fruit comes on, focusing on the wrong things. Don't be condemned. There's a second chance. There's a third chance. There's a 12 chance. God is like, he, he is so good at plan, you know, seven in your life. Some of you are upset, you know, like, man, I wanted plan A for my life. And hey, God can make plan L into plan A again. He can turn, you know, some of you are in like double letters. You know, you're, you're like in double R, you know. He can turn that around and give it plan A again. There's no condemnation. And what happens is people have eaten the fruit so long, they say, I can never stop eating that fruit. <laughs> Lean into Jesus. Lean into Jesus. You know what? Maybe you, you can't. I'm, I'm going to say something to you. You can't, you can't not eat the fruit that you already ate yesterday. You can't uneat it. It's eaten. It's done. And if you live today swimming in the regret of eating yesterday, you'll never have the next step to walk by the Spirit today. And some people never walk by the Spirit today because they're so frustrated with themselves by not walking by the Spirit last Thursday. So like, get over last Thursday. Get beyond it. Yeah, Jesus sees it. Yeah, he knows it. And he's mad about you. He's not mad at you. But he wants more for you. He wants more. 
Deuteronomy 30. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses. Heaven is watching and earth is watching us. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Here's the key. Some are looking for, they're all concerned about the death that they've had to deal with. They're all concerned about the curses they've had to deal with. They're all concerned about this whole being a witness against them. And God says way back in Deuteronomy and to us today in 2017, now choose life. Now. You, maybe you didn't Thursday. Now choose life. Would you pray with me?